The readings from Acts 9, 1 to 19, and if you've got a church Bible, it's page 1102. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on the journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, who are you, you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Matt Baker. I'm part of uh, the Leaders' Council here and obviously preach occasionally at the church. Apologies to start with that I'm not actually here in person in the church. I was really looking forward to being able to to see faces, uh, unmasked faces for the first time. Uh, Unfortunately, we've got COVID in the house at home. I'm fine. I'm double jabbed. Uh, I'm tested negative, but we just thought just in case, although the restrictions have changed, I would be technically allowed to come. It was probably more responsible uh, that I wasn't in the building today. So this has been recorded, uh, and so I hope and pray that God still speaks to us this morning. As you know, we've been looking at a series in Acts over the last few weeks on the Holy Spirit building the church 2,000 years ago, and then how that relates to us today and how God is building our church in 21st century Britain. And I'm going to be looking at the passage that we've just had read out to us. Particularly, we're going to be looking at 
the relationship between Saul and Ananias. Now, I've used the name Saul there. Saul, uh, that was his, his Jewish name. Paul, of course, was the name that he takes on, uh, the Roman name, and he really picks that up. And we think of this character more as Paul, don't we? The letters that he's written here that we have in the New Testament. Fantastic story. The, the greatest conversion story in the history of the world, isn't it? Often gets spoken about that Damascus experience, the road, the road to Damascus, the have you seen the light kind of conversion story. Uh, and of course, Paul, and I'm, I'll use the name interchangeably, Paul, I believe, was the, was the apostle that Jesus chose to replace Judas. Earlier on in Acts, you do get the account where before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and that's probably key in this. They draw lots and decide who's going to replace Judas as as one of the twelve and they choose Matthias and of course we never hear from him again. Here in this story we get Jesus apprehending Saul and saying you're the man, you're going to be the one who replaces uh, Judas and he becomes that kind of key apostle along with the others in the early church. So a fantastic conversion story here But I've been given Ananias with Saul as my overall title in this series. And so I'm going to concentrate more on Ananias' role in this story. Of course, what's going on with Saul is important, but how Ananias is involved. One uh, One of the commentators, some may know, William Barclay, has said this, that Ananias is one of the forgotten heroes of the Christian church. And I think that's very true. So we're going to be looking at how Ananias, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and throughout the book of Acts, and indeed Luke's other writing, the the Gospel of Luke, there's a real strong emphasis on the place that the Holy Spirit is playing in people's lives, in building up the church, in empowering and filling people. So Ananias, how he, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is empowered to listen, how he's empowered to wrestle, and how he's empowered to obey. So I'm going to look at those three key elements in this passage this morning. But let us just pray as I delve into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the fact that through modern technology, we can still communicate. Lord, would you come by your Holy Spirit, wherever we are today, whether that's sitting in church or sitting at home watching this. Come and speak to us, we pray. Change, challenge and excite us with your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Very nicely then... And I'm going to look at verses 10 onwards, and you might want to pick that up in your Bible. Very nicely, this does actually, with a narrative, split down down quite well with the listening, the wrestling, and obeying. So let's look at the first few verses from verse 10 then. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. I'm sure, like me, as you read that again, it reminds you of those callings back in the Old Testament. That sense of someone's name being said and then a response. We see it, don't we, with the likes of Abraham, with, with Moses, uh, with, with Jacob, with, with Samuel, with Isaiah. Same kind of format going on there. In both Luke and Acts, we find that it's very often in prayer when God gives someone a vision. For example, here we find Saul 
who's already been blinded, had one vision of Jesus, so to speak. Now in prayer, it says that he has another vision. So at the same time, as Ananias is given a vision to go and see Saul, Saul is being given a vision that Ananias is going to be on his way as he's in prayer. My suggestion then then, here is that Ananias is, is probably in prayer here. He's in an attitude of prayer when the Lord speaks to him. The Holy Spirit, when he's poured out in Acts chapter 2, when he's poured out right at the start of Acts, we get uh, the, the, the Peter standing up and Peter saying, Look, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all men and women. Young men will see visions. Don't know how old Ananias was, but here he is being given a vision. So we find Ananias, I suggest, in prayer, or at least in an attitude of prayer. And he's very much an ordinary believer. We may put Paul, perhaps wrongly, but we put Paul on some kind of pedestal. You know, well, there's something very special about him. Of course God used him. Well, we know what a terrible person's background he had. But, but Ananias is just an ordinary believer, I suggest, like you and I. We don't know very much about him at all. He's not mentioned before this. He's only mentioned after it when Paul relates his conversion story in, in Acts 22 and, and elsewhere. And he refers again to the play, the part that Ananias plays. But that's kind of my point. He's an ordinary believer who's called to do something quite extraordinary here. Just to be personal, in my own time with the Lord, in my own prayer life, it's not normal that I get some incredibly direct revelation like this. Far from it. But I do think it's really important for me that I spend time listening to God every day. Usually at the start of the day in prayer, reading the Bible. But I've found over the last month or so, I've gone back to just sitting there for a few minutes in the choir, tuning into his voice, just listening to him. Sometimes I'll get, I mean, I've not got an audible voice, but sometimes I'll get an impression of something he's saying. But I find that if I get that right at the start of the day, Actually, I can hear him better during the course of the day as well. I just encourage you to think, when, when am I setting time to listen? Not just to talk, but to listen. As Ananias listens, so he hears the Lord speaking to him. Tuning in is so important. Now, I've said that you know, normally, in my experience, it's a, it's a, it's a general sense of impression, but... It's been very specific here, isn't it, in this passage? Ananias is told to go to Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. How specific and direct is that? Interestingly, uh, Straight Street is still in existence today. It's still there in Damascus. It's the main road, I believe, that runs from east to west. You can, you can look it up. You can Google it. You can probably go on pilgrimages there, I suppose. Some here may have already done that. So it's a specific place that existed then and still existed today. And here Ananias is given direct instructions where to go. But God can still speak very directly to us like that today. Let me share just one example. Back in uh, the last church I was in, in Charlton and Blackheath, which I had the privilege of leading for a number of years, we encourage people to move in the, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in their personal life, but also on a Sunday morning as well. We made sure, because it says in Scripture that these things weren't chaotic, 
And so what often used to happen is someone felt that they were getting something for somebody specifically in the church. They'd come and share it, usually with me or someone else who was leading, so it could be shared in an appropriate way. I can still remember very vividly one Sunday. It was the, the morning after uh, a weekend, a special event that had been going on with the Boys Brigade. And it was a celebration of so many years of the Boys Brigade. A lot of old boys were coming back for that event that weekend. We'd had that on the Saturday night. And then on the Sunday, some of them came along to our church. And I remember one guy being at the church we'd not seen, or I hadn't seen in years. He'd never been part of our church. So come back to Sunday morning and somebody, just a normal member of the church, comes up to me, doesn't know anything about this person's background, doesn't know anything about what's gone on the night before. And he came up to me and he said, Matt, I've, he said, this is a bit strange, he said, but I've got to share it with you because I feel this is from the Lord. He said, uh, I believe that God is sent as a fireman here this morning. And this fireman has gone away from the Lord and he's been away from the Lord for a number of years. But he's here today for the first time in so many years back in God's house. And God just wants to say to him, you may have made mistakes, you may have gone away from me, but I'm, back. I'm here today for you and I want to reach out my arms and welcome you back into relationship with me. Would it be all right if I shared that? Well, I knew that one of the people sitting in the congregation that day actually happened to be a fireman. I didn't tell this chap that. I said, you go ahead and share it. So he shares this very direct word. There's a fireman here. Well, as that one fireman in the church, because there weren't any other firemen, heard that word, you should have seen the effect it had on his life. As a result of that, he came back to the Lord. He got married. His wife became a Christian. His children were then brought up in the church. They were in the church for a number of years. He went into leadership in the church in one fashion. I only bumped into him the other day. You see, God can still, if we tune in and listen to him, he can speak generally to us and he can speak specifically to us. So my challenge then to all of us is, are you listening? Are you intentionally, actively listening to what God might want to say to you? Ananias certainly was. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Last week we were hearing about Philip and the Ethiopian. Philip, who was told, again empowered by the Holy Spirit, very clear in the passage, to go to a certain place. And when he went to that certain place, there was this carriage going past that had this Ethiopian eunuch there, somebody who was really key, uh, quite well off it would appear in this, in this carriage, uh, involved in the treasury. Had to get up, Philip had to get up there and, and, and the man was, was reading his Bible, reading Isaiah and needed someone to explain. So Philip explains and the guy becomes a Christian, he gets baptised and off he goes and it's believed he, he was key in starting the church in Ethiopia. What a wonderful, wonderful commission for Philip. Hands up who'd love that commission. Who, who wants to go and speak to, uh, to somebody who's already reading the Bible, he's, he's fairly well off and he'd sit in a comfortable carriage and just explain the gospel. Yeah, I think we'd all put up our hands for that one. What about Ananias though? Who'd like an Ananias commission? 
hold on a minute. Am I hearing you right, Lord? Because um, I've heard many reports about this man. I mean, let's not forget, it's there in the passage. He was breathing out, Saul was breathing out murderous threats. He was coming to Damascus to arrest the likes of Ananias and his friends and his brothers and sisters, take them back to Jerusalem in the hope that they would then be tried and killed. That's what he wanted. Ananias knows that. Saul on Straight Street, I mean, I mean are you sure about that, Lord? Uh, I mean, here I am, Lord, but send somebody else. Reminiscent again, perhaps, of those Old Testament passages of Moses. Um, how can I get out of this? Well, I stumble over my words, Lord. You, you want someone who speaks better than me. Um, give me. Give me a sign so I know it's you. Give me a sign so they know it's you. Jacob literally kind of wrestled with the Lord in a, when he wrestled with that, the angel of the Lord or the Lord himself. Here I am, Lord. Uh, send someone else. You sure you mean this? But there's something very honest there, isn't there? And this is what I would encourage us to do. I think it's good for us to wrestle with the Lord in prayer when he speaks to us. Personally, and again, I'm being honest, there have been times in my life where I've struggled with some things that God has called me to do. I remember a period in my life where I felt Lord telling me to, 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 to give up something for a period of time for about six weeks and I kind of struggled. Well, you know, do I really need to do that, Lord? I remember another time over, over, over the call I felt in my life to, to preach and to lead. I got to a point, I was in tears over it because it just, I was questioning it. I remember going back to the very place where someone had first spoken into my life, sitting there at Ashburnham, opened the Bible at the scripture I'd been given in the same room, with the same scripture and just saying, Lord, really? Is that what you want me to do? Ananias wrestles here with God. It's very honest. It's very real. You might say, well, you should just obey anyway. Just get on with it. But I think if we wrestle with God about what he's saying, if we go back to him and say, okay, Lord, what does that mean? Do you really mean that? We wrestle to that point of conviction in our hearts. And actually the Lord deals with stuff in our hearts as well because maybe our attitude isn't right we've heard him it's not so much that we've got wrong what he said but it's not right in our hearts that we're not ready to move in it that is not an excuse not to do it far from it but I'm encouraged us to wrestle maybe you've wrestled in the past or maybe God has said something in your life that just seemed too big or, or, or just beyond or you just couldn't handle it and you've laid it to one side. I encourage you, maybe pick that up again. Lord, I've ignored that. Let me wrestle with that with you in prayer. So I come to that point of conviction. Ananias does that with the Lord. He speaks and he's very clear that he needs to go. But sometimes it's good for us to go and do that bit of wrestling with, with brother or sister that we trust someone wiser than ourselves. And I encourage that as well. But better to wrestle and obey than to ignore and not obey. And let me say this as well, because this is, you may be thinking, well, this, this is a big thing that he's doing here. It's part of, you know, choosing Paul. But I do think in the days that we're living in today, God does want to raise up a generation of people who, who dare to go into places again. We've only got to look around the news the last few days. You know, the, the world's a mess, isn't it? Our country is a bit of a mess. 
Or maybe God is raising up people to go and, and tune in and then wrestle with stuff and then go for him. I read this this week, and this was a tweet that I picked up on. This is from someone called Shane Claiborne. You may or may not have heard of him. He's a, he's a, he's a Christian activist, a, a speaker, um, a, a motivator. You wouldn't necessarily agree with everything he says, perhaps, but I really liked this. And young people, if you're listening to this today, take this on board. And church, let us take this on board. If we lose a generation of young people in the church, it won't be because we didn't entertain them. It will be because we didn't dare them to do something meaningful with the gospel in the light of the world we live in. Let me say that again. If we lose a generation of young people in the church, it won't be because we didn't entertain them. It will be because we didn't dare them to do something meaningful with the gospel in the light of the world we live in. Could have been written about Ananias, couldn't it? He did something meaningful with the gospel. He was dared to go. Let me encourage us as well, young and old, to be listening to God and maybe to hear those more daring things that we need to step out into with a message of the gospel. Are you listening? Are you wrestling? And thirdly and finally, obeying. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. You can tell that Luke's a doctor here as he writes this. And he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Ananias went. He had to listen. He had to wrestle to that point of conviction. And then he had to go. He had to obey. But have you noticed what's happened to Ananias' heart in this whole process? From going, well, hold on a minute, he's come here to murder us. How does he now address Saul? What's the first word he says? Brother. Brother. Our backgrounds are so different. You were breathing out murderous threats. I'm one of the earliest followers of of Jesus and the way as it was then called. But together in Jesus, we've been united. You're my brother. You can't say brother through gritted teeth. Not and really mean it. And we know this had an impact on Paul because later on when he recounts in Acts 22, when he tells the story back about his conversion... He refers to Ananias and he says, he said to me, brother Saul, and then says the rest of it. You see, something has gone on in his heart as he's wrestled that as he goes now, he goes in a different attitude and he calls Saul his brother. These are the first words that Paul hears. And then Ananias, already filled with the Holy Spirit, says he prayed for his brother Saul he was healed, these, these scales fell from his eyes so he could, he could literally see again, but, but more importantly, spiritually see. There was like something going on, of course, inside of Saul now as he, he saw Jesus in that sense for the first time. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And that phrase there about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we find that through the New Testament. It's not a, a one-off experience. We're not just filled with the Holy Spirit when we are converted, when we become a Christian for the first time. It, it means be being filled, an ongoing filling. We need to be constantly filled with God's Holy Spirit so that we can go out with the mission he's given us, so that we can live the life that he's given us. Again, in my own life, I pray at least weekly, maybe I should do it daily. Lord, will you fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit? I need to be empowered by you. I need to think like you. I need to hear from you. I need the courage to go, not in my own strength, but in you. This, if you like, was was Paul's Pentecost moment. Remember? He wasn't one of the 12 back then, but he is now. You see, just like they were filled with the Holy Spirit at that point, so the Holy Spirit needs to fill Paul now for the commission he's got. And it's some commission, but we all need that, just like Ananias did. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's physically healed. He's going to be hungry because he's been fasting for three days. We're told that, not eating or drunk anything. So he does take some food, but what does he do before taking some food? He got up and was baptised. And just as a little aside, but it's come up two weeks running now, what did Philip do with the Ethiopian when the Ethiopian believed last week? Baptised him. The Ethiopian said, well, you know, there's some water here. What should we do? Can I get baptised? The start, straight away after he'd become a Christian, he got baptised. What happens here with, with Paul? He's baptised. Presumably, Ananias does the baptism. We've not told anyone else is there. Again, what a special moment that must have been as, as Ananias baptises Paul. And I just throw that out for us to consider. Wherever you sit today, have you been baptised? Because it seems to be in, in, in the early church, you became a Christian and then you got baptised. Jesus doesn't ask us to do many specific things around like that, like that are demonstrations of, of our faith in him like that. So maybe we should make sure we do do the things he does say. So there's just an encouragement and a challenge if you're sitting there today thinking, you know, I've been a Christian for a number of years, but I've not yet been baptised. Have a word with Eddie or, or somebody afterwards. As I say, I just throw that out as a little challenge and maybe that's part for you today of that sense of being obedient to the call. So to, to close then, as we look at Ananias, as we consider how God is moving in us in these days, as we're faced coming through wherever we're at in this pandemic now, and I guess me standing here, not live with you, is an indication that it's still all around us. We've still got to be wise and responsible. But in the midst of all that, let me encourage us to be listening to be tuning in to what God may be saying to us through his Holy Spirit. To be wrestling, wrestling with what he says to us so that we can come to the point of conviction so that we then act on it. And thirdly, let's go. Let's go with what he's given us. Let's go and transform the world. Whether that's, whether that's in church or at the school gates or in our workplace or with our mates, wherever it is, wherever God calls us, and we've all got those different callings, small and great as we may turn them. Let's go and make a difference with what he's given us. Amen.